Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risk, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for today. So glad you're with us. And we've got a little different program, a lot different program today. Not your typical Talking Money where we're talking about the different kind of strategies on taxes or investments or or insurance or all the many things that make up financial planning. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about your relationship with money and uh, no one better to, to talk with me about that speak with me about that, then John Dodd, uh, our senior private wealth advisor, one of them out of the Nashville, Tennessee office. Welcome to Talking Money, John. Mike, thank you. It's great to be back, and I look forward to chatting with you about our relationship with money. Yeah, so uh, this is this is what my uh, a topic that my dad would have said, all right, we've gone from preaching to meddling. And so uh, when we talk about people's relationship with money, it, uh, it, it gets to be, uh, can be a real touchy subject with people. But if somebody's honest with themselves about how they think about and how they actually work with and spend their money, they might uh, realize, yeah, there's some uh, definitely some some problems there that, that maybe we can fix today. So uh, instead of talking about uh, the relationship with money, whether it's, you know, you have a lot of pain with it, pleasure, whether it's good or bad, of course, we all have some combination of, of that relationship with money. But we have some key principles I know you want to share. So we're not going to be talking about the top 10 financial moves in 2022, which I guess a lot of people would love to hear, but probably wouldn't do anything about, uh, we're going to do something different. So let's talk about some key principles. When we're talking about somebody's relationship with money, whether they have, and uh, we know all know people that have a lot of pain with money, uh, people that have pleasure, although usually that's a short-term thing, and good relationships, bad relationships, and, and even between spouses, and when, when you and I were on last uh, earlier this year talking about the financial intimacy questionnaire, that was very interesting. We still have that. So what are some of the key principles that people really need to, to think about and to think through to make sure that uh, they are not being run by money, but they're using money for the proper purposes in the proper way? Absolutely, Mike. Great, great question. I've got a few that I'll share. Before I do that, a couple of things. One, I am not an expert in, in the sense, you know, you and I are not preaching at people. I think these are more, even from my own personal experience, which I'll share a couple of examples of just me. I mean, all of us grapple with money. It doesn't matter if we're professional money managers or not professional. We all have these issues. Absolutely. So we're not claiming to be perfect at all. Uh, I think a key principle and why I thought about, hey, let's work with relationship with money instead of just the top 10 list. Everybody knows they need to spend less than they earn and get a will. and all. We already know that. And most people, sometimes they don't follow that. I still don't do it. Yeah. Key princi- yeah, a key principle I want every, our listeners to think about is this. Every action has a father. I think about okay. that. Every right. action has a father. So in our spending decisions, 
there's something driving that decision. What is it? Okay, part of it is, well, I need electricity to heat my house. Got it. That's not really a hard decision. I'm talking about the other decisions where I go, you know, I've already got 12 pairs of shoes, but I really want 13. Or, you know, I'm really not sure about tithing or whatever. So some key principles that I want to share would be to, and hopefully these principles, and as you all know, principles are just tools that we use to navigate life. And if we don't understand the principles, then we're going to be in trouble. I always like to say money is a tool. You know, money is morally neutral. It's no different than a can of Coca-Cola. It, it just depends on what you do with it. And so if money is a tool, and as you all know, if you pick up a tool and you don't know how to use it, you could get into real trouble, <laughs> right? Cut oh, your absolutely. finger off or worse. Yeah. And we don't want to read the instruction manual, especially we men, right? We just, ah, oh, I know how to use this. Well, the Bible has a lot of instructions about money, and I want to share some of those principles today. So the first one is what I call the circle of life. You can tell I probably watched Disney Lion King a time <laughs> or two. You know, and there's the circle yeah, of life. Yeah, I've seen it a few times myself, yeah. <laughs> Well, it's a great movie, and, but, it, but it strikes me, as I review Scripture, there are three points on the circle of life. Point number one, God has set eternity in our hearts. That's Ecclesiastes 3.11. So what that means is we're hardwired to only find ultimate fulfillment in Him. In God. Not money. Not the new car smell, you know, and, and that's why after six months when the new car smell wears off, I'm, I'm wanting another car, <laughs> and, and then I want another house or whatever. Why? Because I want contentment, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's hardwired, but we're hardwired to only find contentment in Him. Why? Because God set eternity in our hearts. So principle number two is the problem for us as humans is Ecclesiastes 1.8. The eyes never satisfy with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. I mean, have you seen the new 2022 GMC Yukon? You know, it's, it's beautiful, <laughs> right? And so that's the problem. But that's the second point on the circle of life. I, my eyes never never satisfy with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. And, and what's so, hard? And what's what hard we, with that, uh, John? Is is we're bombarded every day on on TV with these commercials and the materialism and, the, and how fun this is. Even even when they have movies that show people going gambling and they're showing them just having a great time and acting like it's all fun. And the few times I've actually gone to a casino just out of curiosity more than anything else, the people there aren't having fun. They're they're on oxygen machines and they're barely barely moving and they're they're just uh pulling that lever again and again and again just because I guess they don't have anything else to that helps satisfy them, like you said. But but it is hard to focus this way because of all that bombardment we have. Well, exactly, exactly. And so what we end up doing is we go down the road to the cul-de-sac of materialism. And yeah. if you think about it, a cul-de-sac is just you're moving in a circle. It's like that blue circle you get on your computer when it's stuck and it's not doing anything. Yeah, hate that. And, and God lets us, he lets us go down that, that road. He won't go with us, but he lets us go down it. He won't compete with money. Because point number three on the circle of life, Deuteronomy 4.14, our God is a jealous God, a consuming fire. You shall have no other gods before me. And certainly money can easily be a God if we don't understand and have the right perspective on it. So again, money's not good or evil. It's morally neutral. 
you yeah. know, what, what, however you spend your money, you know, that's up to you. But there are key principles that God provides, which if we follow, we will be blessed. If we don't, then we will get a different result. So those are the circle of life, the three points. Okay. And so, all of us are on it. The circle of life is not optional, but no, the way no, we navigate yeah, it yeah. is. Absolutely. We're going to talk more about that. It's time for our first break, John. And I, I know that uh, I, I remember having a, a Sunday school teacher some years ago who was um, financially well off, and he had um, the boat, the second house, and, and all these things. And he was warning everybody in the Sunday school class how dangerous that was because not that it was bad to have all those things, but he talked about how much it consumed his time taking care of all those things. And and that uh, that was another factor we don't think about when you have extra things that, that do take away from maybe some things that are more important, even if it's family, whatever. All right, so we come back from the break. We continue this conversation about the, the, the circle of life and your relationship with money. We can't take your questions live today, but of course you could always send your questions to Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And we'll pick those questions for a future broadcast and make sure we get those answered for you. But thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. I'm so glad to have as my guest, John Dodd, a senior private wealth advisor with the Ronald Blue Trust office in Nashville, Tennessee. He's been on the, with me with Talking Money before, and today we're talking about your relationship with money. Pain, pleasure, good, bad, and all the combination of all four. So we've been talking about the circle of life, and it reminded me, uh, John, of a um, question I used to ask, and I used to teach a lot of workshops at uh, Millican, Michelin, and Cryvac, and and I'd ask, as part of the cash flow part of the seminar, because it was a, pretty much an all-day workshop, I would I would ask them, all right, if you received $100,000 and free and clear, so there's no taxes, nothing on it, you got $100,000 free and clear, what would you do with the money? And, of course, I've got all kind of answers. I always got, I'm going to pay off debt, somebody would say. Somebody would say, I'm going to go on a trip. Uh, someone say, I might buy a car. Um never did I get the answer that I'm going to invest it all and try to do something with it to make more money. And never did I get the answer that I've, I've got some people I want to give it to. I want to give some money away to some organization or some people that I know that are in need. That never came up. So people's priorities are certainly different and, and maybe they're not as, as um, uh, good as they should be. Uh, then, and it reveals their real relationship with money. Absolutely. I mean, just look at your checkbook, and um, you can tell a lot about a person uh, and their priorities. And, and, and that's where we kind of if we don't understand the circle of life and the pull of money, it, we're, it, it's going to be a difficult 
challenge. Right. And that's really gets to the issue of, of stewardship. And, you know, the, the whole, um, you know, and that, if we can navigate the circle of life correctly, then we're going to be automatically good stewards. And stewardship is kind of funny. It's to me, it's, it's like Vaseline. You, you know it when you see it, but you're not sure what's in it. Right. (laughs) I mean, maybe we're glad we don't know what's in it. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, how do I know I'm being a good steward? (laughs) Yeah, is there a formula in the Bible that tells me I'm being? No, there's not. But there are principles, and I think the definition of stewardship is simply positioning your time, talent, and treasure to be used by its rightful owner. And so we we do that to the extent we are wise with our money, applying biblical principles, and and wise with our time and and our talent. So. Just kind of an interesting perspective, and and of course, I, you know, I was in Costco the other day. I love Costco, and, and you know, oh man, they got these great jackets on sale for a super low price, and I'm saying, wow, this looks. I really need this, and then I sit here going, no, wait a minute, I got one last year at Costco about the, you know, and and I don't need more coats, and right. and even if I think right now about the coats in my closet, I think of uh, good old Luke three eleven, if any of you has two coats. Give one to him who has none. Right, right, sure. <laughs> oh, great. A lot great. of people need okay, it this okay. time of year, especially if we start thinking about that. So, how do you how do you counsel somebody? How should people think about um, when they're when they're think, thinking about buying something and they're trying to think about you know buying this car versus that nicer car, or they're trying to redo their kitchen, or should they redo their kitchen at all? And do I have you know nice marble tops, or do I just get formica, or you know how, how should people think through those decisions? Great question. I, I would say first and foremost, from a financial standpoint, you know, do do I need this? You know, that's me at Costco with the coat. Do I need another coat? No. Um, is there anything wrong about it? No. But again, every spending decision is a spiritual decision. If you think about it, God owns it all, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm sure all our listeners, you know, would raise their hand if I asked this question. Do you believe God owns it all? I'm sure. That, oh, yeah, sure. Well, if God owning it all was a crime, would there be enough evidence to convict you? So that's where I go, okay, nothing wrong with granite countertops versus Formica. I've still got Formica in my house. It looks great. It's not as cool as granite. I love the sound <laughs> of a coffee cup being put down on granite. You know, I, I love that. But You know, to put in granite, I'm going to have to pull that money and pull it from somewhere else. And to the extent that prohibits me from being as generous as I need to be, certainly to the extent that, you know, if I'm building a bigger house or buying another car, is that going to impact my giving? Because ultimately, this is God's money. What would he have you do with it? And that's what's so frustrating is God does give us choice. So and there are so, ramifications to that choice. Right. So some people would be listing and say, wow, that means I should never buy anything more than Formica. I should never buy a new car, buy a different car. I should never buy a nicer car. And and, and some of the arguments would be, well, wait a minute. If I've got a kitchen that's that's 15 years old and has Formica, um, when I go to sell this house, I'm not going to get as much out of this house because of that. So there's some some justification also to helping upkeep something 
uh, to also just be oh, sure. nothing else a good testimony. So you're not saying, oh, we should always just keep Formica and never buy marble or granite. No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. I mean, I, I own a boat. Okay, who needs a boat? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. So, but but that that's that's the that's the challenge for everybody. There is no right or wrong. Right. As far as, you know, should I upgrade here? There are only principles that we follow. And and to me, one of the key principles, obviously, is going to be, as a very minimum, we need to be tithing. There's no question we're commanded to tithe. So that's 10% of our gross income. Okay, beyond that, um, you know, we are supposed to be generous. That's where it gets kind of vague. And I think, Mike, as you know, I'm sure some of your clients have had this question, how much do I need to give, you know, off my portfolio or whatever? Am I free to build this bigger house or whatever? And that's where I just kind of take my clients back to, well, you know, first of all, are you meeting your biblical obligations, right, to provide for your family, to, to tithe? Um, can, can you pay cash? You know, if you're going to go into debt, that raises a whole other bunch of issues. Can you do this without going into debt? So, um, that's, you know, that's a great question, and there's no easy answer to it other than those basic, you know, am, am I still going to have an emergency fund? Do I have an emergency fund of three to six months of living expenses? If you don't, you need to be focusing on that before you get the granite countertops, right? So right, there, sure. there are these other priorities. But once you check those boxes off, that's where, you know, one of the scriptures is God gives us all things to enjoy. I mean, we, we have the freedom and the latitude to buy the new car, the new house, or spend money however we, however we want to once those, um, once those boxes are checked. Right. But under uh, what I'm what I'm learning too is, yes, we have the freedom to do what we want to with our money, but there are also eternal ramifications to that. And one is the the bema judgment. You know, Second Corinthians five ten. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each man may receive what he is due for the deeds done in the flesh, whether good or worthless. So one of my trick questions on the quiz that we might have time to take is, every Christian will be treated equally in heaven. Mm -hmm. True or false? Well, the answer is false. False. Be, yeah, be, we won't be treated equally. Because if you look at Scripture, especially 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you know, our works will be judged, and some, it says, will suffer loss. Some will get their full reward. So I don't know what all that looks like. I just know I don't want to suffer loss, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I always tell Clint, we know we love gain, right? Well, First Timothy, Paul is telling Tim, hey, there is great gain in godliness with contentment. Well, if I don't understand the circle of life and my eyes are always drawn to the latest great stuff at Costco, I'm probably never going to be content. And I'm going to be not an, an unwise steward. I'm going to be building bigger barns, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and that, that's where I want to avoid that trap. So that kind of leads to another kind of a, a relationship with money. Money makes us more of who we are. And, and Mike, this gets back to your $100,000. You know, if you had 100000 that just showed up, what would you do with it? And so it's interesting because, as you know, lottery winners, 99% of them are, are broke, you know, after about five years. Isn't that amazing? Because they don't – yeah. yeah they, they don't know how to handle money. All right. And well, no, I've even heard people who – not even just lottery winners, but you, you take this about anybody who – even if they gradually start making more money, uh, that if they don't, if they're not careful, and they're going to fall into that trap of their 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 standard of living keeps increasing, and their cost of living keeps increasing, 
as their as their wages go up, and they never have thought through how much is how much is enough. And I heard a football player talking yesterday, former football player, NFL player, Panthers actually playing from uh, this this area of the country. We know about the Panthers, uh, and he was talking about how somebody mentored him when he was first uh, making you know twenty thousand dollars a month. He was making this amount of money and. And thinking that you know, he was on top of the world and, and he was already being asked by a fellow teammate, well, have you thought about your plan going forward? How much is it? When are you going to say, well, this is enough for me and now this is God's money. What else can I do with it? So we need to be thinking, coming at it from the right perspective. Even if you're not a lottery winner, you may have just got a, you know, a $30,000 raise. You need to be thinking about it even on a smaller scale, I think. Exactly right. And, and um you know, just because our standard of living, you know, if, if your standard, if you've got your standard of living and your standard of giving, right? So that $100,000 or the $30,000 raise or whatever that comes in, the default, right, if you're not traveling the circle of life correctly, would be, hey, we can increase our standard of living. And, I, you know, I don't know what that looks like. And maybe that's, maybe you get a bigger house, whatever, that that's fine. But would would you at least also consider praying about maybe we should also increase our standard of giving? You know, maybe, I, I think a lot of Christians, when their cup runneth over, they go get a bigger cup. Yeah. <laughs> and, Fill this one up, God. You know, Fill it up. Yeah. I want a bigger cup. Well, <laughs> and it's so easy. It's so easy to do. And and we in the West in particular, you know, when a really super nice coat at Costco is only $20, it's tempting to go blow it on that. And yet I think, you know, Mike, as you were alluding to, after a certain point, after our needs are met, now what's the definition of needs? Okay. But I mean, after our basic needs are met, we really need to be thinking about, well, what would God have me do with this money? And it might be to bigger, bigger, buy a bigger house or, or yep, whatever, yep. but at least involve God in that discussion, All if right. you will. It's time for our bottom of the hour break. So we'll be back with more with John Dodd. And I've got a little uh, comment about tithing that might surprise some people. We'll be right back with more of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum. One division is Everyday Steward, which serves clients who are just getting started to those with an investable net worth ranging from $100,000 up to a million. For those desiring objective, biblical principles in their investments, cash flow management, financial planning, which includes retirement, insurance, tax, and estate, and their giving, Ronald Blue Trust's Everyday Steward advisors can serve as their clients' stewardship coaches, so they can focus on a living a life of purpose. For more information about Everyday Stewart and the other divisions of Ronald Blue Trust, they can be found at ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We're so glad you're with us today. We're not talking about our normal subjects of financial planning, whether it's Tax planning, year-end planning. We've got a lot of things that we can talk about about money, and you can always go back to to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. So that's a, a place to get as much information as you uh, think you can handle with uh, former broadcasts that we've recorded on there on many different topics. If you don't see one that if it fits the topic you want, let us know. Just send me an email at, uh, at uh, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com where there's a place to click in the website that says Ask Mike a Question and pass that question on to us. And we probably have another program 
in our archives. We're only allowed to go back six months in the on the website for radio programs that we've, we've recorded, but I'm sure we've got some past that might uh, give you the information that you need. That's the place to look. Mike at TalkingMentorRadio.com, and it'll have a place to click for listen. And when you go there, you, you'll have all these different shows, and you can, you can go to them by topic. So today we're talking with John Dodd, a senior private wealth advisor with Ronald Blue Trust out of Nashville, Tennessee. I've known uh, know John almost three years now and uh, going to appreciate what he does uh, for the company and for his clients and for even uh, working with our other advisors because uh, John and I both been at this uh, just a few years. And so it's good to have someone that's willing to, to pass that information on and mentor some some other people. And we've been talking about the key principles, the circle of life you talked about, John, money makes us who we are, and God owns it all. We've talked about all those things. And in the process of that, you talked about tithing and the 10%. And one of the things I, I caution people about, because I'll get that question a lot, uh, what what's the tithe? How much do I give? Should I give it a, a gross or net? And, and I always caution people right then and say, look, you're looking at this the whole wrong way because I'm afraid what you're going to do is you're going to come up with whatever your answer is on 10% of, of your income, and then you're going to check that box, and you're done. And you're you're not going to think about anything else that you could do. When you talk about ties, I think you need to be, can, continue the conversation of ties and offerings and, and really understand that God owns it all. And don't put yourself in that box or that you can check that box to say, all right, I'm done. I've done all I can eat because I'm I'm tithing, and I think uh, you've probably run into the same situations, haven't you, John? Yes, absolutely. I always remind people: look, the tithe is not a ceiling; it's a floor. Yeah. And in fact, I love what Randy Alcorn how he puts it: if you're tithing, congratulations, you're not stealing. <laughs> and that that's straight out of Malachi three. You know, test me in this. And see if I don't throw up the windows of heaven and, and pour out a blessing so great you won't be able to contain it. But he talks about why are you stealing from me? So, so yeah, that, I mean that that's a floor. And you know if you look at first, you know certainly Paul talks a number of times. You know Second Corinthians nine, you will be made rich in every way so that you can build a bigger lake house. No, no, no. <laughs> so that you can be generous on every occasion. First Timothy six, as you know, Mike, our our yes, firm verse, verse. instruct mm-hmm. those who are rich in this present world. Now, to be generous, to be to do good deeds, to be ready to share, and but but that's hard because the eyes never satisfy with seeing, nor the ear with hearing. I'm on the circle of life, right? Yeah. And and I've got the latitude, I've got the freedom, I've got the cash to do whatever I want to do. And yet, at the end of the day, every action has a father, right? right. And if we are not thinking about the Father, our Father, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Just naturally living where we do in the U.S., it's it's going to be hard. And as I always like to say, money has gravity. And the more of it you have, the more force it exerts on you, pulling you into orbit around it. And if we don't have the right perspective on money, it, it, it will just naturally pull us in a different direction. As Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So... That's where we need to be yeah. careful about that. So as we've talked about the circle of life, just understand God is a jealous God. He will not compete with our little, uh, you know, running down the cobalt sack of materialism. He'll let us do it, but we'll never be content with it. Money makes us more of who we are. And if we don't have the right perspective on it, when we get an extra $30,000, we're going to want to go spend it on, on, you know, who knows what. And, and it's not bad to spend money, but it's at the end of the day, Every spending decision is a spiritual decision. So do you have a comfort level? 
have you prayed about where you might send this money? Because we all agree God owns it all. But if that was a crime, what evidence yeah. would there be to, to convict you? Right, so right. Uh, another principle I like to share is this. Money is a tool. It's a test. It's a testimony. Okay. So what do I mean by that? Yeah. Well, money, again, money's morally neutral. It's no different than a, a hammer or a screwdriver. And what I like to ask people is, well, which is better, a hammer or a screwdriver? And, of course, the answer is, well, you know, it's based on what you're trying to do. Right, depends. <laughs> so, yeah, it depends. So if you're trying to buy contentment with money, that that's just never going to work. You know, Solomon, you know, he, he, he built everything. Right. You know, just, just pursued all this all this materialism until, until he ran out of stuff. He had plenty of money. Most of us, you know, when we chase things, ultimately at some point we run out of money. So it's a tool that God gives us to grow his kingdom. And, and you probably, and you probably, sorry, you probably heard that story or that survey that was done. I'm not sure how long ago it was, but I thought it was an interesting one where, where people who had more resources were asked, uh, how much you have, how much you need to have, to feel like you don't need any more, that like you're rich and you've done enough. So they, they asked people that had two million dollars, and they said, "Well, I, I I think four million would do it." And people with five million said, "Well, I think ten million would do it." And people with twenty five million said, "I think uh, probably fifty million would be enough." People with fifty million said, "I need a hundred million," and then people with hundred million said, uh, "I'm good." I guess. So I guess. Yeah. I guess once you got to hundred million, then you felt like you were enough. But there was still always that attitude. I, no matter how much they have, and somebody with a million says, "You kidding?" Some of the twenty-five million didn't think they had enough. Um, you know, it's just it's exactly. the way the way we're wired. Like, like, wow, we always want more. We, we we do we do, or or our security we think will be more secure, right? If we have you know an extra whatever, and uh, again, e- even for me, and, and again, I'm a professional financial advisor, right? I should not be struggling with with these issues. But again, I travel the circle of life like everybody does, and I'm confronted with these decisions every day. And I think what's interesting, if you look at Scripture, you know, we're quick to quote Paul where he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? right? Philippians right. 4.13. Oh, we're always quoting that. <laughs> but we forget the context in which he wrote that down. If you read just before, he says, I've learned how to be content in whatever circumstance I'm in, you know, suffering need or having abundance. So that verse is really about contentment. I can, I can stay content at whatever lifestyle God allows me to have through his power. And so that's a, that's a key verse that it really is about around contentment. The other one I would encourage people to remember that I need to remember as well, Hebrews 13.5. Now, we always quote, we, we regularly quote, you know, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Okay, great. Praise God. You know, that's we only. But that's the B. That's 13.5B. The A, 13.5A is be content with what you have. Keep your life free from the love of money. Oh, for I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, so you mean those are are related? (laughs) (laughs) They are related. But if, if we don't understand that. We'll make money our God. It's just it's just the natural pull. So money's a tool to achieve God's objective. Second, money's a test, right? Malachi three, you know, test me in. I, I'm going to give you wealth. Every all of us have some level of of responsibility for our money and our time. God tests us in that and gives us freedom and says, what what you know, what are you going to do with it? And then finally, it's a testimony. How you spend your money 
says something about you. People judge you, like it or not, based on what kind of car you drive, what kind of clothes you wear, the house you live in, the neighborhood. I mean, I, we shouldn't judge, but we do. And so as a Christian, we need to remember we people are looking at us, and hopefully we have a good testimony. I don't know what that looks like for you or for me. I know what it looks like for me, and I've I've got a certain – uh, limit on things that I want to spend money on. And, and um, so just remember that we are an advertisement. You know, Paul says we're ambassadors for Christ. The way we spend our money is a testimony. But here's what money is not. You know, it's helpful to know what it is, but it's also helpful to know what it's not. It's not a source of contentment. I mean, yes, I need heat in my home <laughs> to be content. Okay, I got it. That's <laughs> not what I'm talking survive, about. Not, not right, just be right. Content, yeah. At, Exactly. After our needs are met at that point, okay, so it's not a source of contentment. Why? The circle of life. God will not compete with us. He's a jealous God. He won't compete with money. And then it's also not a measure of biblical success. And, you know, it's, I don't care how much money you have, are you, are you really operating based on biblical principles? You can, you know, the scripture talks about the evil prospering. So if you, you know, if you look at them, you go, "Wow, they're loaded," and they're not—they're not Christians. They're—they're yeah, they're not right. believers, and they're so. It's not necessarily a measure of success. Now, for some, it could be a measure of success because they followed biblical principles, and God—God God is not afraid to bring them more wealth because they know they'll steward it well. That's awesome. That's not what I'm talking about, um, and it's not evil. Money's not evil. You know, I love. I right, hear true or false, Mike. True or false? I'm gonna put you on the spot. Money is the root. The love of money, the love of money is the root of all evil. True or false? That's false. Exactly. Oh, you're good. You're good. All kinds you know, of First evil. Timothy, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil, or it is, it is a root of evil. It's not the only root. It is not the root. It is a root. So, again, you know, Jesus I mean, the Bible, Jesus talks about more about money than heaven and hell combined. So I think that's another God one of your true false questions. You're getting ahead of yourself. It is. It is. I just got ahead of myself. <laughs> that's false but, too. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that tells you a lot that God knew ahead of time we would naturally struggle with money. Some people don't, but I think a lot of us, they're, they're just, they're decisions that need to be made. And as I like to say, God, God, gives us choice. He's been giving us choice since Adam and Eve in the garden. And we're held accountable to those choices. And so, you know, if we follow these principles, my my thinking is we'll have a better relationship with money. I don't know. We may have a boat. We may have a car. We may have a new car. All that, none of that really matters. That's that's the outcome your heart. of our re- exactly yeah, our relationship yeah. for where your treasure is there will your heart be also all so right that that's basically it yeah time for our last break john we want to come back and wrap up with some uh, true other true and false questions that we haven't answered already uh and that i think would be interesting uh segues to help uh really educate people on some other things they should be thinking about money and i've got one of the comment about um a story that i know you've heard ron blue tell about his trip to africa we'll we'll kick off with that when we get back For our last segment of Talking Money, we'll be right back. Talking Money is brought to you by Ronald Blue Trust. 
With nationwide trust capabilities, Ronald Blue Trust provides wealth management strategies and trust services based on biblical principles to help clients make wise financial decisions, live generously, and leave a lasting legacy. With over $11 billion of assets under management and advisement and a network of 16 offices, including Greenville, Ronald Blue Trust serves over 10,000 clients in all 50 states through distinct divisions and offers services across the wealth spectrum in these key areas. Financial retirement estate planning, investment management and solutions, charitable giving strategies, personal trust and estate settlement, bill paying, family office services, business consulting, and institutional client services. More information about Ronald Blue Trust can be found at ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. We've got about 10 minutes left in the program today. I'm speaking with John Dodd, a senior private wealth advisor with Ronald Blue Trust out of the Nashville office. And we've been talking about uh, different different relationship with money, how you should think about money, especially if you are born again Christian. And uh, we're not talking about our, our normal uh, topics that we cover on Talking Money. But of course, if you've got a question for me, you can't call in today with that, but you can always send me an email at Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com, Mike at TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And I'll get those questions and I will answer them possibly on the spot or I'll cover them on a future Talking Money a radio program or podcast. I know we have people listening all over the country. We've seen the statistics and I would love it if you hadn't been listening from California or some other state out of South Carolina. We'd love to hear from you. Just a quick note saying where you're, where you're listening and how you found out about talking money and, and so forth. We'd love to find out about that just to, just as a curiosity, because otherwise we'll just never know except for whatever Google happens to want to tell us. And, and John, we've talked about uh, your relationship with money and and how you look at it and how you um, frame your decisions about money. Uh, you and I both have heard the story that Ron Blue told, and he told it on the on the air with me earlier this year. He had a trip to Africa where he talked to the the leader of the uh, tribes there, and he, and he asked them what was their biggest issues that they had, and he said materialism. It's like really materialism. We got all grass. Grass huts here. He says, yep, if somebody's got grass hut, they want a thatch hut. If they've got one hut, they want two huts. And it's just amazing him going through people that have nearly nothing based on our standards and how they just still wanted more. And I think a lot of people think that way. They think, wow, if I just had an extra 500 a month, 2000 a month, whatever it is, I life would be so much better. And I would, and for some people it would be, but for, for people like you mentioned earlier, the lottery winner and other people like that who don't know how to handle money, they end up increasing their standard of living the whole time to equal what their income is, and they never get further ahead, and they never get more secure about money and, and feel good about their their whole plan because they, they're spending as much as it comes in. So we don't want to do that. Um, so you've got some some true and false questions we've already answered a few of them uh and and we didn't we didn't uh discuss this ahead of time so we didn't you didn't give me the answers that you wanted i'm, I'm doing i'm three for three now i think so far so what are the kind of questions would you like to uh, pass on true or false questions to the listeners today mike you are killing it by the way i'm super impressed uh with your <laughs> score so far you're, you're doing now i'm, I'm going to warn you it, this is a very this is a trick question very okay. very true okay. okay here we go you ready all right 
You own nothing. Okay. That's true. True or false? I've got, if God owns everything, then I own nothing. <clears throat> That's fair. Now, Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the universe and all it contains. But if you look a little bit further, you'll see 1 Timothy 6, you know, we come back to that, right? Uh, instruct them to be rich in good deeds, generous and ready to share, so that they may lay up for themselves treasure as a firm foundation for the coming age. So we actually own treasure in heaven, in heaven. to the extent we use money. That's exactly that's that's where the trick comes in. We do own Matthew six. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Right. We can't do that once we get to heaven. We got to do that now. And then Revelation nineteen, the wedding of the Lamb. We will be dressed. Revelation says dressed in the righteous deeds of the saints. So we own stuff. But it's in heaven. And so I, I, one of the ways I describe what I do for a living is this. I help people build wealth in this world and the world to come. And, and, and there's a tension. There's a tension there. And that's part of the reason you and I have a job. <laughs> but it's also God makes everybody a steward. It doesn't matter how much you have or how little you have. You're a steward. If you have a pulse you're a steward. So the issue is, how am I going to make these stewardship decisions? So, um, so next question. Well, so technically, though, I'm still right, because if it's in heaven, God still owns it up there, too. Well, that's <laughs> fair. I mean, if you want to get okay, but Mike, Mike's a little competitive, wants to maintain that 100 score. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, okay, I'll, okay, I'll give you that. Next I'll one. give you that. Um, okay, God will increase your assets if you tithe. Oh, well, of course. Uh, to ask any, any uh, uh, wealth preacher or uh, uh, what do they call them? The um, prosperity, uh, prosperity gospel. gospel. Yeah, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Of course not. Yeah. Exactly. Job, Job well, that. Well, exactly. And, and, and so that's where we got to be careful because um, – there, you know, you could misread, you know, Malachi 3.10. Well, if I tithe, you know, God promised to throw open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so great I won't be able to contain it, right? Well, that doesn't necessarily translate to a bigger 401k, right? Right. right. But we, the prosperity people tend to, to push that. Luke 6.38, by your standard of measure, it will be measured out to you. Oh, so you mean God's watching what I do? Yeah, absolutely. Right now. And then, of course, 2 Corinthians 9, he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. He who sows generously reaps generously. So there, there, who knows how God is going to increase your storehouse, your blessing, whatever. That's up to him. But there's, you know, you get, that's really dangerous when you say, well, he's going to increase my assets if I tithe. Yeah. So, well, uh, God knows, you know, God knows ahead of time what you're going to do. He already knows that. So it's one of those things, you know, the cart before the horse, the chicken before the egg. So God knew that you were going to do that. He knew how you're going to handle money before you got the money to handle it. So he can bless you for that because of his, because uh, he knows all. And and he's sovereign. He knows all those kind of things. So he knows in your heart. So really, it's it's your heart attitude and why you built that wealth or why you gave that wealth. Because because we've heard you you and I both heard people who bragged about how much they were giving away, and, and said, okay, right. now so why were you really giving it away? Were you giving it away because of 
the the needs and your desire to help uh, increase the kingdom? Or did you just want people to look, on earth to look at you like, wow, I want to be like him. Look how much money he made, how much he gave away. So that's that's a problem. That's on the other side. That's another problem. It's your heart. It is. It is. All right, here's another one. All right. Scripture commands you to build wealth. Hmm. Well, if that, if that were the case, there's a lot of people having issues. And it, well, and as you know, Matthew six, you know, do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. Uh, another trick question: Is build wealth and uh, another uh, another uh, trick question now? Yeah, okay. <laughs> another <laughs> another trick question. Gotcha. So uh, here's 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 <laughs> another one: We can do whatever we want to with our money. I, I would say that's true. It is true, and yet I hope as we've been spending the last few minutes together, people understand, yes, we can. God is watching closely, and he's already told us ahead of time the long-term impact of our stewardship decisions. We don't know what that ultimately looks like, but I don't know about you, but when I get to heaven, I want to have some treasure there. I want to have sent some righteous deeds on ahead. I want to have some level of net worth in heaven, because once I get to heaven, my my net worth on earth would go to zero. It's worthless, right? So I want to send some on ahead. Yeah. So Randy so, Alcorn's book that uh, talks about that. I'm, I'm I forget the name right off. You you remember right? Remember the name right off? What's that one yeah, of the main the, books he? The Treasure Principle. Treasure Principle, right? And he's written two of those, right? Yeah. Yes, and you can read it in in one sitting. But it just, you know, I love Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, the people wander right and and we got to have a vision and it's hard because we can't see god we can't you know but what we can see is that great coat at costco <laughs> you know yeah, right. or the new car or whatever and so that's the tension that all of us as believers face is that this is not our stuff god has given us the ability to make wealth to expand his kingdom how much of that you know the the where you were pointing out, hey, I gave 10%, so the other 90 is mine to do what I want right. with it? That's right. No, that's not what Scripture says. All so right. there's a tension there. Yeah, John Dodd, I appreciate uh, we're running out of time. As always, uh, one of the fastest hours uh, that you could ever spend here on Talking Money. So appreciate your insights uh, to our listeners today on Talking Money, and uh, thanks for joining me. Mike, I enjoyed it as always, and uh, God bless everybody. All right, sounds good. Take care, John. We'll talk to you next time. Right. See you. Bye. 